Hello. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Environmental Podcasts. We are your hosts and the founders of Dandelion Branding. My name is Ab. This is Courtney. Yes, and welcome to our podcast. Today, we are excited to be joined with Vincent Dynam, who is a shaman and regenerative guide, also a member of the Regeneration Foundation. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you for inviting me. Our pleasure. Absolutely. So your title says a lot, and I would love to better understand what it is that you do. Can you share that with us? Yeah, sure. So I work daily as a shaman and regenerative guide, specifically for the regeneration. The regenerative guide role that I have there is part of uh, one of the circles that we have at the regeneration which aims at organizations and guiding organizations in their transition towards a regenerative horizon. And I love the term guide because, you know, you have a bunch of coaches in the world, you have consultants, you have all these people standing on the sideline telling you how to do things or don't know how to do things, but then, you know, somewhere try to come up with smart questions that make it, make it, makes it more difficult to maneuver. And for me, a guide is someone that gives clarity, gives clarity on where we all have to go to uh, as a collective, as organizations, as people. And especially in times where things are very unclear. So we come from a world where we love to think in problems and solutions, you know, and um, we're now facing a time where it's not so simple anymore. So we're facing complexity. Then it helps to sometimes Consult someone that can guide you through the maze or through the jungle to find a way. And when it comes to regenerative practices or a regenerative mission and, and way of working as an organization, it's not easy. So it helps sometimes to have a guide next to you. Absolutely. So what does that look like for a business? Like, I definitely agree. It's, it's really helpful to have someone help guide you. But... What does that mean? What does that look like for a business? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe it's also smart to talk about, in this case, about regeneration. So what is regeneration in this case, right? So first we need to somewhere assume that there is also next to regeneration, there's degeneration. So we are living in a world that is facing multiple crises. There are things that are broken due to the last hundreds of years where we have uh, degraded certain things, our relationship with nature, mm -hmm. our relationship with each other, in some cases also the relationship with ourselves. If you look at health issues, if you look at the amount of burnouts in the working environment, if you look about, if you look at the damage that we are inflicting on resources, forests, oceans, seas, but also communities of people and the exploitation and the extraction that is happening. So first we have to acknowledge that that is happening and then we can consider, okay, so what is our role to play here? Mm -hmm. And then in the last decades, we have been working on sustainability. So somewhere we knew, shit, we need to reduce this negative impact. We are leaving a footprint behind that is not doing good to the world. And somewhere along the line, we started to realize that that reductive path, so to reduce our negative impact might not be enough. So we need to somewhere go beyond that and restore what we have broken down. Mm -hmm. And this is where regeneration comes in. So the path of regeneration starts with acknowledgement of 
the degeneration in the world, it starts with making steps uh, that are restorative so we can go and move towards a regenerative horizon. And here we, from the, in our foundation, in our group, we are quite strict because we say regenerative organizations don't exist. So it is almost impossible to be regenerative. But that doesn't mean that there aren't organizations that are already showing ways of being restorative. For example, by simply putting uh, nature, ecosystem, landscapes, and communities in your mission by making a promise to people and planet, right? And many organizations are doing this already. So the next thing that needs to come is also a practice. So how do you put this into practice? How can I see from the products or the services that you provide that uh, communities are flourishing or that uh, nature is flourishing uh, when you have left the place, when you have left the community? Is it a better community? Is it a more alive community? Is there more wealth? Is there more health? So somewhere in your business development and the development of products or the services that you provide, we hope that organizations leave a positive footprint. And this is where the regenerative guide comes in. So to achieve that, to get there, it's quite a path, it's quite a, a route to to go along. And it's absolutely not easy because look at where we come from. Yeah. And just to make some more concrete examples, I mean, I mean the most, most obvious one is the one of Patagonia, you know, where they decided to change their, their ownership, you know, going to steward ownership and seeing Mother Earth as the biggest shareholder. But there's something else going on in Patagonia that maybe it's less common knowledge, and that is, for example, how they make decisions internally. So it's they have been living for such a long time with this mission inside themselves. They've internalized this mission that many employees, when they make decisions in projects or in product development or business development, that they actually consider ecosystems, they consider communities. So somewhere they've internalized it. But this is not common culture. Mm-hmm. It's not common for organizations to do this. So in other organizations, you need to institutionalize this, this voice of consideration. So for example, you can set up a different way of decision-making processes. You can set up a different organizational structure when, when the board of directors comes together there is a chair for Mother Earth and there is a chair for the rivers or there is a chair for the employees, right? Mm-hmm. So in your in your cultural development as an organization, you can design it differently in order to, to be nature inclusive, for example, or community inclusive, right? And, and on, like in these sort of, let's call them solutions, let's call them practices, you can, yeah, we guide organizations on how to do that. Wow. That's very cool, especially, yeah, having a seat at the board for the environment or ecosystem. I think that's really lovely. And it's cool that that that's the work that you're doing. And now it's our favorite question that we ask for everybody. We're going to talk about your role in the transition to a more sustainable future. But before we do that, I'm going to ask Our listeners out there, if you are enjoying this, please hit that like and subscribe button so you can get more inspiring content. And now to you again, Vincent, what is the role that you and the regeneration play in the transition to a more sustainable future? How do you see that yourself? 
Well, what we notice is that there are more, pop- there's a growing group of people that realize we need to do a little bit more, uh-huh. especially people working on sustainability. You know, there's a big compliance culture in the world where we are trying to satisfy certain rules that we have received from government, mm-hmm. you know, certain ways of reporting, annual reporting, to be compliant to how it should be. But somewhere it starts to gnaw on you that, like, maybe we should do more. Maybe this isn't mm-hmm. enough. And these people knock on our doors. Yeah. And for them, we, for example, we have a one-day training, Regeneration as a Solution, which the title is, of course, a little bit moi. But it's, uh, that's the trick of it, for those who understand what I mean. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, for, that's really for people that have heard about regeneration but want to know more. How does it work? Mm-hmm. How should I see this? How does it work in organizations? So it's really a one-day uh, quick training where you can, you know, feel it and experience it. And by doing that, we want to open the doors for many of those organizations that feel this, that feel like, hey, I think we need to go beyond sustainability. What can we do? How can I do yeah. this? How can I incorporate this in, in my organization? Which which position can we take in this transition? So let's say, I would say that we are, for a large part, storytellers, telling a new story, a new story where we talk about restoration, mm-hmm. a new story where we talk about different relationships, being in good relationship with my fellow beings on this world, being in good relationship with myself, with my family, with my partner and my children, with the people that I work with, my community, and the place where I work, the nature and all all that lives there, all of life. For some people, that sounds very holistic and very broad, but that's ultimately what will help us move forward if we start considering our relationships and how we absolutely. can be reciprocal. Yeah, absolutely. I think I one thing that I really like about regeneration in as a general concept is how holistic it is. Nothing exists in a vacuum and we operate conventionally like it is. Like my work is just work and I don't bring that home and you know, that doesn't impact the, my family or the time I spend with my partner or any, right? But none of that is real. Like, we are one person and the way that we interact with the people in our lives and in our communities, regardless of how we know them, matters. Mm-hmm. And I think regeneration is something, it brings this holistic idea to the forefront and it is really a staple of like this holistic living is a staple of regeneration. Even if you're talking about regenerative farming here, you're talking about regenerative business culture and paradigm shifting, regardless of the lens you're looking at it through, it always comes back to this community and this connection. And I just think it's so important and so beautiful to see. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because many entrepreneurs or businesses, you know, they, they want to make impact. No, they want to maybe with their products or services make a difference. But then, you know, it's not only in the outer world where you do that. It already starts with how you are with your family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to give uh, work-life balance workshops like a decade ago or something like from my feeling ages ago. But already there, it was so tense to, you know, talk about your private life. Ooh, that's weird, right? 
I think in for many people that has already shifted. And um, so let's see if we can shift a bit more, you know, make it more holistic, make it more inclusive and cover all aspects of life that we have to consider if we want to make it more beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. One thing I would like to add also about our position in this transition is that a lot of organizations are already contributing to this restoration and we call them all, we call them restorers. We have a campaign that is running and we want to shed a light on these restorers because maybe we are not regenerative, but really are trying to to do it better, you know, to acknowledge our current situation and to, to you know, to have some different approaches and practices. So through this campaign, we also want to collect content, collect stories of these organizations that are doing it differently and share these and build a network of networks of these organizations that are, yeah, traveling in a different route, different direction, let's say. So for us, it's also, again, the storyteller and, um, yeah, and changing the spotlight from those that are polluting. Maybe, yeah, we're talking a lot about those, the polluters in the world. We see them, we persecute them, you know, we say you're doing a bad job and maybe there there's there should be more space for also those that are actually already contributing yeah so you're saying like kind of stopping this um new cycle of filth and adding some hope to it show it and spotlighting yeah. those people that are making a difference yeah exactly i think many also of the organizations that you work with where you do your branding for they are seeking new stories new ways of standing out or new ways of engaging their community so all of those are the new stories that we need to hear and these are stories of hope you know and that's what we need we need more of that yeah stories of hope i like that can you tell us a little bit about more about the structure of the regeneration sorry you were mentioning something about circles earlier kind of the different the, the, the different ways that the organization is structured yeah definitely so we try to work sociocratically in our organization which means that we try to distribute power and responsibilities as much as possible among all the people working within the regeneration we have a couple of circles, so we're structured in circles where we have a circle reorganizations. So we focus on organizations and facilitate them towards this change. Then we have a circle movement building that is focusing also on, on the regenerators already out there and yeah, guiding them and uh, building a community there. And we have a circle communication that is, you know, the word says it all and a circle neighborhoods that focuses more on places and people and how they connect to each other. And they all have a coordinator and facilitator and they have a circle rep. Maybe the structure is known for some people and they are circle reps come together in a general assembly. Yeah, so that's a little bit how we work. And yeah, we try to work as less bureaucratically as possible or less institutionalized, but just, you know, uh, have a forward-looking intent, trial and error, and let's go for it. And if you don't like it, tell me, you know, mm -hmm. so it's a consent-based decision-making, if you want to call it like that. So it feels very natural also because, you know, if you work together and you establish relationships and you are so in into it, you know, together in, for the mission, for the vision that you have, then you also build a different kind of relationship with each other. 
and then it's also easier to you know address something if you, it's not to your liking or if you have an idea to propose it yeah so that's a little bit on the internal side of our uh, organization yeah i wonder if we're talking about a paradigm shift like <laughs> how challenging that taking on this type of structure could be mm -hmm. right like when you're used to corporate i think Courtney and I, we run Dandelion similarly. Let's go for it. And if you don't like it, let's talk about it. And we talk about a, a lot of, you know, I like, what did you say? Consent-based decision-making. Love that. But if you're used to a corporate structure and then you're coming in and you're helping people, guiding them towards regeneration, mm -hmm. that is, there's going to be a lot of breakdown there. There's going to be a lot of unlearning and relearning in this, in this paradigm that, paradigm and i'm really sure that you come up against people who don't want to change this Definitely. this you know what they do you do then yeah well that's up to you if you don't want it then don't do it but then that's that comes with the cost that we see around us yeah so i had um, an organization that i was guiding and they were considering more horizontal organized structure and it was so funny when I was working with this work group and we were talking about this about more horizontally organized and different kinds of leadership you know where more responsibilities lie within the teams and within the in, in the employees the moment that the director that was sitting also in this work group were, was saying something or you know they had an idea they would look at him and it was like really like waiting for his response or acknowledgement or consent. And I, you know, addressed this and I said, like, look at what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And they were flabbergasted. It was like, are we really doing that? <laughs> and they were astonished because they considered themselves a flat organization. This is what you all know where we are so, you know, we are almost friends here. This is like, especially the family-based cultures, you know, that, that are very, that have good relationships with each other. Maybe that's not in a corporate environment. But, you know, also there, then, then having to actually exchange with each other in a different way, just giving feedback, you know, feedback trainings already provoke the things that you never discuss with each other. Mm -hmm. So you keep things safe, right? And in a corporate environment, this is the same thing. So we, we put job functions, rules, or code of conduct, all these protocols in place so we make it easier for ourselves. We don't have to think less. We have to... We can engage each other in a very simple way. And when you take away all of that and you just have to solve the stuff together, then all of a sudden it exposes much more of the things that are below the surface that you normally don't have to talk about, about because the clarity is given. Mm -hmm. And now you have to create that clarity with each other. So your relationship building is also developing in a different way. And that is already regenerative practice. You're regenerating your relationship with each other, right? So we also see uh, becoming horizontally organized or to have these cooperative elements incorporated in your organization as a step towards rest restoration mm. because you're engaging each other in a different way. You're going to actually ask the other person, like, so how do you prefer to do things, right? Or what is it that, that inspires you or what makes you engaged at work? Mm -hmm. You know, without HR saying, okay, now we're going to do a workshop about job engagement and, you know, energy at work, you know, and it's like you, you internally are motivated to ask that question to your fellow colleague. What a shift. 
<laughs> like I, I'm thinking about, you know, I used to work in corporate and I could not imagine. I could not imagine shifting just that one simple thing. I also didn't fit yeah. very well there, right? That's why we run a business the way we run it. That's but why lots of people, yeah, that's why we have so many freelancers in the world right now. Everybody is escaping from this paradigm. They don't want that anymore. And the people that are still there actually don't want it, but they're also caged because not everybody has this privilege to escape it. So mm -hmm. they need a job. They need to pay the bills. They are schooled and graduated in a certain way. What else could they do, right? They mm -hmm. don't see the possibilities or don't have this socially or economically situation where they can change that so easily. So they are there and they, you know, so it's also about organizations becoming aware of this and taking this responsibility to ask each other, how do we want to do this together? How can we make it more healthy, more yeah, equal, more, yeah, more regenerative, yeah? more social, more supportive, more fun and inspiring? That's great. But yeah, it's, um, it, it starts with intent. It starts with somewhere, someone in power that realizes, oh yeah, wait, we need to do things differently. And funny enough, I was talking to uh, an organization this morning, also working on these collectives of organizations. And I said to them also, like, yeah, we need leaders. We need people that have the power, that own a company, are actually realizing that we need to do it differently. And then, you know, start that. Because that's also where in practice, in reality, I often see the change happening because somewhere they are faced with with a change in themselves maybe they maybe they have a personal transformation or a revelation and they think like wow what are we doing in this world yeah. you know i need to make a difference with my company and that's when things start shifting yeah do you think do you see that more often that like the the leader or a, a leader in a company has a personal shift like a health event or like a definitely you know Definitely. The yeah. biggest transformations are the individual transformations yeah. or the, of the ones in power. Then you see it happening. It also happens often when someone actually has had this transformation, tries to apply it in his organization. It's not working, moves to a different organization in a leadership position, and there it works. And then all of a sudden you see that company completely changing. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, because you need conditions in order to bring that change, right? So even a CEO, we often look at the CEO, oh, the CEO is not doing anything. Also, oh, as a CEO, you're limited. You know, you are constricted in a system of, of shareholders and board of directors. Mm -hmm. And you have HR and employee councils and you have l legal rules that you have to comply to. So a CEO is also not, you know, he has power but or she has power, but it's not like a, a, a free, powerful position where you can just do whatever you want. Yeah. So also they are under pressure or under, you know, under the microscope sometimes in what they do and don't do, especially when they have a lot of media attention also. But still they do have a certain amount of power. So if, if they feel we need to transition, we need to change, and if anybody is listening now, I truly hope that you make use of your position, you know, and, and even if it's just a story, just start telling that story, mm -hmm. start that story of change, because that is what is really, really needed to start with. And then the rest comes next. Yeah. And it doesn't need to happen overnight, right? We're not, you're not going like, 
you had a revelation today, so tomorrow I'm going to guide you on all of the changes that have to filter through your whole big-ass company. No. It's like, I think a lot of being a leader, and we've run this business for five years now, and we've seen a lot, worked with a lot of people and seen a lot of this, and Mm -hmm. being a leader, a lot of times, no matter, it's natural, right? It's For a lot of people, it comes naturally that their staff just looks to them, even if they have a flat business model there are natural leaders in the world that people listen to that have that that charisma and for those people making the change and just asking the question like you were saying what do you think about that can make the change for an entire business it even if you're already having a flat you know a horizontal structure in your company the leader themselves changing their language can completely make a difference because they're the inspiration for the other leaders in the company, Definitely. right? Yeah, I mean, often we look at the leaders, also that is an old paradigm, of course, like one person that we look up to, but eventually I consider everybody in an organization a leader. So we all have a certain amount of leadership in first place of your own life, right? So you are the leader of your own life doesn't mean that it's a, it's it's pure freedom for everybody of course but that's where you have power mm-hmm. and influence so when you when when it's about change even if it's a different story it's also about a collective story so it's not just that this individual at the top somehow if we put that picture in it that person decides everything or determines how the rest of the of the group is moving so the group can also move, you know, if they have a collective story mm-hmm. or a collective practice or something that they hold important value that they carry, right? Question is, are there conversations happening around that? So are we having the conversations that matter within organizations? You know, that's also something. And then sometimes, you know, employees inspire the leader or the leader person in leadership, right? Yeah. So this also happens. Yeah, I think that's a good emphasis to have. How can your employees inspire you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also if employees are listening to this, like, you know, if you, if you feel this and you feel that there are certain values that need to be honored in your organization, talk about it. You know, engage with your colleagues and uh, see if there is a conversation possible about this. If there are certain rituals or routines from certain meetings where you are, you know, town hall meetings or gatherings where you can open up debate about this. Why not? You know, let's put mm-hmm. things to question and move forward toward that regenerative horizon. If, if you feel, if you feel that and you see that possibility, do it. Oh man, I love that. And it's a really, really lovely place to say, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, where can they find you? How can they connect? So the regeneration, you can find us uh, on social media, on um, Instagram and LinkedIn. We're still called the Regeneratie Coöperatie in Dutch, so Regeneration Cooperative. But our, we are in the, in the midst of a, of a name change. But we also have a website where you can find us, and that's regeneratie.org. And I guess it will be also in, in the messaging around this podcast, so you can see yeah. how it's written in Dutch. And there you can also read about what we do with organizations or just Google my name, find me on LinkedIn, connect with me, and then uh, we'll all turn out well. Thank you.
Thank you so much, Fintan. We really appreciate your time. And, and thank you everyone for watching. Definitely get in touch with Fintan and let's get some more organizations to be on the path. Yeah. Thank you so much. See you next time. Bye.